got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting down the stars. Yeah. Cause when it rains and it pours. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more. Yeah. And I've been reading all the work. And welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Show for Closers. My name's Kevin Hill. I'm your host as usual. And we have a special, you know, just audio only, old school podcast where we'll just talk about whatever we want to talk about um, with Trey Griggs. He is the founder of Beta Consulting Group and one of the, the social media influencers out there in the industry on LinkedIn, a little bit on Twitter. I think LinkedIn might be still where everybody is and, and kind of uh, devotes their attention to, but we'll talk to, to Trey about that as well. And we'll really talk about making the move um, into doing your own thing and kind of the, the upsides, the stress, uh, and the, the, the challenges that, that are involved and, and kind of how to think about it and how to appreciate it and, you know, how to plan moving forward. I think he's, he just, uh, turned one year old or, or beta consulting group did. And, uh, that's a huge milestone. So glad Trey is dropping by to talk about that. And with that, Trey, how are you doing today? Hey, Kevin. Great to see you, man. It's, uh, it's been a long time. Doing really well, man. Happy new year. Happy New Year to you too. It has been a while. I don't think we've we've seen each other since uh, probably TIA back in in April. I, I don't. Were you in Chattanooga in November? I was I, not in Chattanooga. I was in Rogers, Arkansas uh, in in yeah, that's right. May. Okay. That might have been the last time that we saw each other face to face. Yep, probably was. So they're, they're kind of back to back almost. They're like only two or three weeks apart. So, uh, and that was a lifetime ago. It seems like <laughs> it feels like know. it. It really does. Um, so let's talk about Beta Consulting Group, uh, what it is, what you guys do, how many people you have working with you, and just kind of the adventures. As I said, you recently turned one year old, and kind of some of those adventures in the, the first year of existence. Yeah, January 15 is uh, is one year. We're really excited about that, nice. um, you know, getting through one year and not really knowing what to expect. But here we are. We've made payroll every month. My my wife's not uh, too disappointed about how things have turned out. So we're, we're checking off the right boxes and excited for, for year two here in 2023. And you say that a little bit tongue in cheek, right? I, I, we made payroll every time. And if you haven't really started out on your own and – you know, bootstrapped or even gotten a little bit of financing, uh, you know, making payroll every single time is monumental, really. I mean, that's, uh, we, we can laugh and joke around about it, but it is, is, is stressful. It is. And I'll say this, you know, when I say making payroll, I mean that for the team. There were a couple of months mm-hmm. where it was a little bit less uh, for us and we had to live through that. But I think that's how it goes. You know, leaders do eat last. And so we made sure everybody was was paid. And But that was taken care of. And, and nobody, I never had to make any phone calls and explain why, you know, the paycheck isn't there, those types of things. So it is stressful, but it's also motivating. It's exciting. And I'm really thankful that we were able to check that box. It's it's growth. It's growth too, right? I mean, it's personal growth. Making that payroll every time, coming down to where sometimes it's really tight, and you don't pay yourself. Right? I, I didn't pay myself for I don't know two years. I think uh, with, with Carryless, right? I paid everybody else, and um, you learn a lot about really about leadership, about leaders le- eat last, about motivation, uh, both yourself and your your team, and uh, you feel a lot of sense of pride with it, really, don't you? 
Yeah, you do. Um, you, it's, it's almost like I almost take it back to when we first started having kids. You know, we, we had no idea what it's like to be a parent, you know, but as it goes through and you keep this human being alive for a year, there's something just to be said about making it uh, through that time period and what you learned that process and what you figure out. And this year was definitely that way. We learned, I learned so much. I think we as a team learned a lot, but I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about leadership from more of a theory uh, perspective to a practical perspective. And uh, it was a great year. Good, good, good. So, so let's go back to Beta Consulting Group and what you guys actually do. Lay it out for us. Yeah, so we help transportation logistics companies build their brand. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm a sales guy. You know this. I've been in sales mm-hmm. for a long time. But I started about two years ago to see sales more from a marketing lens. How can marketing impact sales and make it easier for the sales team, make it easier for the company to uh, reach out and attract the right kind of clients and then acquire them. And how does marketing play a role in that? And I've been in companies from a sales perspective that had really good marketing. And I've been with companies that didn't really have any marketing. And the difference is, is vast and it's much, much easier selling in a company in which marketing was helping and aiding in that way. And so what we do is we work with a company's sales and marketing team to build their brand, to make sales easier. That's the entire goal. We help companies with search engine optimization because that's the beginning point. I mean, Google's the largest you know, online uh, marketplace that there is. When people have a problem or have a question or anything like that, the first place they go is to Google. So we want to make sure that all of our clients are organically ranking high on Google because three out of four people who search on Google trust those organic results more than the paid ones. So we don't start with paid ads. We start with organic SEO and we make a huge impact in getting our clients from page seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, all the way up to page one within 60 to 90 days. And then from there, when we know what works with the marketplace, what people are searching for and what's going to make an impact in that way, that then shapes our content strategy as we do a brand assessment, as we understand the brand overall, which includes culture. You know, do you have a good product? That's the beginning of sales and marketing. If you have a crappy product, why are we even doing this? So if you have a good product, how, how is the, the customer experience? Let's talk about all of that. I help companies to write their mission and vision and core values. Talk about how to use those internally. Talk about how to use those externally to attract similar clients and to attract talent that matches up with those values and that mission, as well as, you know, blog entries, social media. We manage social media for a lot of clients. We create a lot of the social media content as well as posting and and managing it. And my favorite of all is the client testimonial for marketing. I do a lot of that with clients helping with creating video testimonials. I think that the marketplace in general is pretty lazy and wants to watch videos uh, that we see that in TikTok and Instagram, people are just drawn to that form of, of content because it's so easy to consume. And so I love helping companies create video customer testimonials because truthfully, your customer will always sell your product better than you will. You're very right about that. Your customer is your best salesperson, right? And you're also right on the video. Uh, I, I've seen it firsthand last last few years. Uh, video is king. Um, whenever I want to find anything, I go to YouTube and, uh, search for directions and, and follow along with the video. Also the, the, the amount of uh, time and, and really effort to, to build content, video content versus kind of a written case study or written testimonial and, and getting that out is immense because I, I've done both over the last couple of years and, um, and just video is just so much easier and you get to so many more eyeballs and, uh, you can do a lot in three to five minutes. 
Yeah. And I think it's also much more versatile. I mean, you can mm-hmm. use it, like you said, in different platforms, you can cut it up into smaller clips and the smaller bite-sized chunks. You can use it to create blog posts, especially with some of the new technology tools that are out there. So you can take a video, a three to five minute video, and you can create several pieces of content as opposed to if you take one blog post, it's a little bit harder to get more traction out of that. Yeah. And but blog posts are, are, do you think they're, they're more essential for the SEO portion of the equation uh, they're, they're essential for that even if no one reads it theoretically right if no one really reads That's it correct. or you don't yeah. get a lot of action from it the seo generation from that is immense where the video you might see more direct links to uh, bringing people into your funnel yeah, that's correct. Blogging is definitely critical. Any, In fact, any content that goes onto your website that enhances your SEO, because Google is constantly looking at your website to see, do these people really know what they talk, they're talking about? Are they really an expert? And that's how you get ranked higher. I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's the, the essence of it. And so blogging is very important. The, the coup de grace is if you can get a really good writer that actually writes an engaging post that is SEO rich, and then you could get some traction out of that. You could cut some of those into smaller social media posts and do some things with that. But blogging itself is really critical from an SEO perspective. It is. Those keyword searches just will never go away. And um, not until something better useful. comes along. <laughs> I mean, maybe there'll be something better that comes along. But right now, that's that's really where it's at. It is the king. I, when you look out, because I have my opinion on this too, I actually, I have a couple questions, right? Are you working with more freight tech people um, or companies than, say, operators, 3PLs, carriers, or is it kind of evenly mixed? Well, my, my two main audiences are freight brokers and tech companies that provide technology to freight brokers okay. because that's the world that I know and that's the audience that I've built. And so um, our customers span between those two sectors. Okay. And that's the audience I know too, right? So I, I've, I've spent a lot of time so so we can really talk shop uh, on uh, on this. When you look out at um, a lot of companies out there, whether they're freight brokerages or freight tech companies selling to, to freight brokerages, what are some of the, 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 the things you see that they should be doing, but they're not, or maybe they're, they're doing some things, but not in the most effective way? Well, as you and I both know, in this industry, most companies aren't really doing anything. A lot Mm -hmm. of times they have a website that they built just to have a website because they know they have to have one, but they haven't really thought through the customer experience. What is it going to be like when a prospect visits their website? What is that experience like? It's almost like, you know, if you think about it from a physical presence, I feel like Apple did a really great job of making that experience wonderful when you show up and you see the glass and the doors, the big doors, and you walk in and someone greets you and the the whole experience of touching the products and being able to check out, like they thought through that experience. And a lot of companies from their website perspective don't do that very well. A lot of companies don't even have marketing people. I can't tell you the number of companies that we've talked to who the sales leader is their marketing person. They're charged with social media, or maybe they have one person who's supposed to be doing everything. So there's, there's a, a, first of all, a very limited um, investment in marketing in our industry overall. But as far as what people are doing wrong, I think that a lot of times we don't value enough industry experience when it comes to creating content. So a lot of times companies will work with a marketing firm that has a great name or might have a good track record or they heard from someone else, but that firm may not know the industry. They may not know the lingo. They may not know those words. And, and you know this from experience. If you're talking to somebody who doesn't know logistics, you'll, you'll pick that up pretty quickly. You know, you can tell that they really don't know what they're talking about. There's a certain lingo and a certain jargon and a certain, certain cadence that goes along with that. So 
that's a, that's a problem I see a lot of them doing, just not focusing on or not valuing that ex- expertise. Yeah, I think you see that in marketing. I, 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 you definitely see that with marketing, and I will say you see that with the the tech side too, right? The technical positions, because freight broker, old freight brokers don't become marketing people or uh, software coders, right? You're bringing in outside people outside the industry. You're plopping them down into something that. It's not the sexiest industry, right? If you can choose any industry and you're a software coder, not necessarily you're going to pick transportation. And the learning curve in it is is immense. You know, I mean, I, I went through it in my 30s, and it was a it was a different world. And if I I didn't have to be a freight broker at that point in my life, um, I probably wouldn't have made it through it. And and it speaks to, to what you're saying is speaking the lingua of knowing, knowing the feeling when a, a truck drops off on you at the last minute and you're going to, you know, you got to break bad news, you know, having those feelings and, and knowing uh, that that process helps you communicate that out, especially in, in the marketing realm. And if you're a marketing person from outside, it's hard to, to really connect. So with that, I would say that it, it makes sense to, to for your, your marketing people, if you have marketing people, to, to outsource that, outsource a lot of that content and messaging out to um, to people like Beta, right? Who can who can get get you the right content to then deploy? Yeah, and, you know, I'll, I'll, and I'll add that, on to what you said about the lift for the industry. Is I started my career at DAT back in 2012, and I was in my 30s as well. And I swear, Kevin, it took me probably four months to really understand what a freight broker is. You know, mm-hmm. I, what is an integration? What in the world is integration? I wasn't a tech guy at the time. I, was, I mean, I liked technology, but I came out of teaching. I was a physics teacher, a science teacher, and, and oh, a nice. teacher. So didn't really have the, that tech background. So it took me probably, I'm going to say six to nine months to really feel oh, yeah. comfortable speaking with freight brokers, speaking with carriers about about what, what this industry is all about. So it, the lift is pretty heavy. And it makes a difference when you're writing content because – People can just detect when somebody's writing and they don't know. People can detect if this is not your first language, if it's a second language, the, the different miscues that go on in writing. Um, so it, it's, it's important. I think that's a, that's a big miss that some companies don't, don't really consider when they think about working with a marketing company. And it's tough because I wrote in, in one year, maybe a year and a half, I was doing a blog post a week for, for FreightWaves. And, um, you know, the listables, you know, five things to know or three things to, you know, whatever. And uh, they're, they're fun to do. They're, they're painful to, to write, as, as everyone knows, to sit down and actually that the first half an hour of writing or the first, you know, phase one of the writing is, is the most painful part until you, you find some traction and get some ideas uh, going, but it was fun. But, you know, being outside, if I was outside the industry trying to do that and do it well, it's, it's really tough. Yeah, it'd be very difficult. It's a big lift. So that's, that's one area that I think specifically in transportation logistics, that if you're going to work with a marketing company and there's, there's several good ones in our industry that, that do great work, try to find, you know, and, and put a higher value on industry knowledge and, and expertise from a, from a writing and communication standpoint. I think on the social media side as well, and the video side, let's do the video side first, because the the video side, uh, I'd say 98% of the companies that that fall within freight brokers or freight tech have no idea how to do video. And not only how to to set up a camera, 
but what content to do, how to do it, you know, how to, to put in a, a strategy for it. And, and I feel for them because it is complicated. It's, it's more complicated. It's, it's more complicated than you think, but it's easier to do than you think too. It, whether that makes sense or not. Uh, it's, it's kind of like writing the blog post, right? And the most painful part is that, that phase one, but once you break through that phase one, it becomes really fun. Yeah. And I think with video, it, I I would adjust your statement slightly that it seems more complicated because the video tools that are out there make it really easy to, you know, produce a video, a high quality video in a a relatively short amount of time. Even if you're on a Mac using iMovie, iMovie will get a lot of things done if you know how to use it. Canvas got really great tools. Of course, Adobe is kind of the the coup de grace when it comes to uh, those tools for, for most average users. But all of those tools make it pretty easy once you get started. But if you've never done it, it, it feels overwhelming. Um, but the other side of it too is, you know, there's, there's two, I, I kind of two categories of video content. You have the raw content, more like selfie type videos or, or real life videos that, um, that people love. People really are attracted to uh, those just regular videos that, that, that you, you would take when you're out you know, doing something in your yard or with your family or on a run. But then there's the more professional content that you would want to want to do as well. And there's a place for both. Um, but I think the biggest thing for uh, for companies is to, to either get started doing it themselves and just learning and figuring it out or uh, outsourcing it to a company like us who this is what we do for a living. So we can do it a lot faster and get it done. And we've got ideas. And the more video that you do, the more ideas you come up with. It's one of those things that just keeps feeding the beast. And so every time I do a video, different ideas come up for maybe the next one or down the line, or this would be cool to do. And then before long, you know, it's really easy to think up different angles, to think up different types of content and make it unique and fun. So I enjoy that. I enjoy creating promos for some of my clients. I enjoy creating these customer testimonials and these different things coming up with fun commercials. That's all a blast, but it starts, I think with just doing it because then it starts to feed itself in terms of ideas and getting comfortable and angles and lighting and all that kind of stuff. And, and you're exactly right. Just, just get out and start doing it. Take out your, your iPhone, do a, a selfie or get a tripod. They're 20 bucks. Start doing that. And it's, it's just an evolution like anything else, right? You, you get comfortable with that. And then you generate all these different ideas. And are like, well, I don't know how to do that yet. And then you, you get yourself in short order, actually, into this vast production where you might outsource it, right? And, um, but it's addictive. It's like tattoos, right? You, you start yeah. doing them and you start getting a lot. But I only have and, one, the bar- so. and the barrier to entry is so low nowadays. You know, the equipment doesn't mm-hmm. cost as much as it used to cost. Uh, an iPhone can shoot really great video. Uh, and you can, so you can start with what you already have for the most part with maybe a few minor upgrades here or there and uh, create some pretty cool stuff. Or again, you could just, you know, outsource it to somebody like us. Yeah. <laughs> It starts small. It it starts with that iPhone. I I still like shooting stuff with my iPhone. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan of that. Almost everything I do is with my iPhone because the camera in it is as good as any almost any camera that I can I can I can buy. You know, yeah, it really is amazing. I have my old iPhone here. We're on audio, so only Trey can see this. But I think this iPhone 10 that I have hooked up as my webcam now. (laughs) It's it's phenomenal, right? That's my webcam. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take much to get started. It, it, it doesn't, which is good. Um, well, let's go back to beta consulting, right? This is what you do, right? So I, we understand what you do now. Give us some of the milestones um, 
throughout the first year of existence, you know, like maybe, um, maybe like first day of school, right? It's, it's like yeah, I, I yeah. hung my shingle out. And then to the, the first moment of you say, <clears throat> oh, crap, I think I'm going to make it. Yeah, well, the, uh, that first I inkling of I think a, I've I've hit that first hump and I'm over it, and I think yeah, this is this will be fun. So I want to take you back actually two and a half years, three years ago. All yeah, right? so three years ago I actually formed the LLC for Beta Consulting Group because I thought this mm-hmm. is what I wanted to do, and I just wasn't sure. And then in between my time at Hub Tech and Lean, I did go out on my own. I I said I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and I got some really good response. Uh, but then Lean came along and had an opportunity that I wanted to take. And so I took it probably out of a little bit of f- a fear. Like, do I, am I really ready to do this? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I've always struggled with confidence. But I started then, and it was when I got the response back then, there was something in the back of my head that was like, oh, man, maybe I should have done that. Like, maybe that would have worked. Um, so it gave me a little bit of confidence. And then when January rolled around last year and I started beta, um, probably the first milestone was the first client engagement and the first paycheck, first check I got from a client. That was pretty special. That's nice. Um, my, uh, my good friend Jordan Irwine over at uh, Goat Logistics gave me a chance to help him out. So he was nice. one of my first checks, um, which, which was pretty cool. That was pretty neat to say, okay, well, at least we can sell it once. <laughs> Maybe we can sell it a few more times. So that was pretty when special. When the secret's about that first check, it doesn't matter what is written on that first check. No. Right? If it's it a really dollar doesn't. or a million dollars, it feels the same. Well, and I, I remember I went and I told my wife, I said, hey, I just got paid for the first time from a client. And uh, she didn't ask how much it was. And we didn't care. It was like, okay, this this happened. So let's keep doing it. And so that was great. Um, it was wonderful to bring on, uh, you know, some t- my first team member and uh, you know, to start building a team. That was something new because prior to that, it's just me waking up every morning and going to work and trying to, you know, do what I need to do to run the business. Um, so that was, you know, that was a good milestone. I remember the first meeting I had with my CPA because finances is definitely not my strength. I'm more of a ideas and, and brainstorm kind of a guy, you know, uh, content guy, like those types of things. The, the idea of mm-hmm. finances is really challenging. So me with, <laughs> me with my CPA and him telling me all the things I needed to, to do, uh, and to make his job easier and to learn, um, I was, that's like when it got really real, like, oh my gosh, this is actually a business. I've got to, I got to hunker down here and figure this out. Um, probably some other milestones were, um, when I was able to, um, help a team member reach one of their financial goals. Like that was pretty cool because it goes from, you know, I, I've always felt this way, Kevin, and I, and I hope I, I hope I maintain this perspective. I shouldn't say always, that's such a cliche thing. Recently, I have come to believe that my job as a CEO is to help build the dream of every one of my team members. And if I do that, I believe that my dreams will get built as well. You know, but my job is to help them build their dream now. I think too many times in the, I mean, you join a company, you get the sense that you are there to build their dream. You know, no, nobody mm-hmm. says that. But there's a sense that I'm working to build his dream or her dream. My dream's not actually going to get built in this place. Now, it's not always true. But I think that's the overwhelming sense that people have. And I've certainly mm-hmm. felt that as an employee working for people who, you know, they were growing a company. They didn't offer me any equity. A lot of times they either sold or they, they benefited tremendously. But I did not. Yeah. And you get that sense, even if nobody says it, that I'm just here to build this person's dream. I'm not building my dream here. Nobody's helping me build my dream here. And I've just taken a different approach with that, that my job is one to know the dreams of my people, 
what what do they want mm-hmm. out of this? What do they want in life? And then two, to help them get there, you know, and that could be, you know, one of my team members wants to uh, farm one day. Like that's, that's her dream. That's what she wants to do. Okay. So how can I, how can I help with that? How can I, you know, remind her of that or encourage her or how can we get to a financial place where she can start putting money away to potentially buy some land? Like, how do we do that? And so I've taken that attitude of my job as CEO is to help build their dreams. And I'll just assume that mine, mine will get built. So I say that to say it was pretty special when we started hitting some of these financial goals for my team members that, that they wanted. And, uh, it was exciting to be on this side of it and help out. So that was a pretty special moment as well. And then I think, um, you know, when I started the podcast daily, that was a really big commitment last year to do it daily. I'm not even committing to that this year. This year, we're changing things a little bit because I have clients I need to serve and, and other things I need to focus on. But committing to that and seeing the response of people that, you know, would send me a note and just say, hey, thank you so much for creating something really positive um, in a stressful environment and uh, enjoy your content. It's helpful. Thank you. Keep doing it. Like those little things are really exciting when you feel like what you're doing is actually making a difference positively for people. Um, those were some special moments this past year. So there's probably a few more in there, but those are the, the main ones that I would I would point out. When, when did you know that, that you're going to make it a year? Who? When did I know I was going to make it? Um, I, I don't. I don't and know. I say Th- that because you, you probably thought about, <laughs> oh, I'm going to make it, and then you know, two hours later, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm an abject failure. And there's probably well, twenty days the, like that, right? This is the emotions you know, run high both ways. In fact, I was just talking do. to a friend be- before our <clears throat> conversation today. I was on the phone with a friend talking about how growth really is not linear. Uh, there no. are there are seasons where. You feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a millionaire next year. I'm on, t- I'm on top of the world. Then there's other moments where you're like, this might not make it. Like we we might we might not make it. Yeah. I mean, the, the the emotions really run the gamut. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I was onto something probably around July or August. And the only reason why I would point to that is because I started to notice that some really high quality individual in our industry wanted to be a part of what we were doing. Yeah. And that it kind of took me back like, wow, you know, um, like some of the people on my team right now and some of the people who have just become fans, um, you kind of step back and go, wow, like what, why is that? What, what is it that they're drawn to? Maybe this is, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe we're doing the right thing. Um, I would point to, um, you know, some people I met at the TMSA who started pouring into me and helping me out and believing in what I was doing. I would think of companies like Freightvana who have been big supporters of mine, even though they're not a client mm-hmm. of mine, they probably will never need me because they do some tremendous stuff on the marketing side, but they have been really big supporters and, um, you know, encouragers for me. And it's like when you see high quality people want to be a part of what you're doing, to me, that was very encouraging. So it was probably July or August where I said, okay, this is, this is a good thing. This is, this is going to work. Um, if we, if we figure this out and keep refining, keep honing this out, this is going to work. So it was probably July, August. That's good. That's good. I mean, yeah, key quality people coming in and being your champion, uh, those early adopters, as, as a lot of people say is is a really good sign. It, it, It is. I remember, um, when when I, I kind of realized, okay, because I, I had this this phase of oh, this is working. I, I'm getting really good feedback. I, I have like major companies buying a spreadsheet, you know, I, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. And then I finally hit this point where it's like, oh, wow, this is going to be a real business. 
this, this is something that I, I think when I got my first office, I hired my first people. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it. going to happen. And, yeah, and it's, right. it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a cool feeling. You know, it's, 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 it really is. Yeah. And I'll tell you the, the greatest frustration I think that I, I've had so far is having some really high quality individuals who want to be a part of what we're doing, but I can't afford them yet. And yes. as a bootstrapper, that's the tension. Like if I were if I were to go raise money, for example, if that's the route that I went, then I probably could hire some of these people and maybe that's something to look into moving forward. But as a bootstrapper, that was my biggest frustration was I had some people in my corner that were really good and would have been really yep. valuable assets for our team, but I, I just couldn't afford them yet. And so that that was that's probably the biggest frustration so far. And another thing I always heard, um, and and I'll, I'll hear again. I'm sure is uh, I really like what you're doing, but you're not you're not there yet. You're not there yet, which is which is great. I love I, you. You start really liking the, those conversations because uh, oftentimes you aren't there yet, and it is, is really good advice. And and you should uh, follow it if it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, ignore it. And that's that's one of the hardest things too. And you probably. Um, encounter this too is advice when to take it and when not to, because everyone always has advice. Yeah. Well, I, I follow the, the, the old adage that you never want to take, you know, health advice or fitness advice from somebody who's massively overweight, like probably not mm-hmm. somebody or, or you probably shouldn't take marriage advice from somebody who's been divorced uh, several times. Like maybe they've got some good things to learn from their experiences, but maybe, maybe not the right person to talk to or, or don't take financial advice from somebody who's broke. Um, so I think you have to just always understand who's giving you the advice. I like to hear people's opinion. I tend to, I tend to welcome that, but, um, I've, I've learned how to filter it a little bit to say, does that, do I really care? Does that really, um, somebody who's not a family person that gives me advice about time management, I'm probably not going to listen as much as somebody who is doing what I want, which is mm-hmm. running a great business and having plenty of time to make sure my family knows they're more important, right? Like yep. to me, that's a, that's a, that's a value that I, I'm working to um, turn into a reality. I probably should take advice from somebody who's actually doing that than somebody who's doing the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not right or wrong. It's just that that's what I want. I should listen to people who, who have that. Yeah, no, it, 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 it takes a while to, to really learn what, what you just said, really. It's just like I, I want to take advice from the lifestyle or, or the path that I'm on and not necessarily a path that, that I'm not on. And growth comes to, to mind on that. You mentioned growth. It isn't linear. A lot of people say grow, 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 grow. And it's like, well, I don't really want to overextend myself, so I don't know if I want to take your advice. And it sounds really risky. Um, but, but going back to growth, growth isn't linear. Right. And that's something that I think um, everyone in sales should really understand. If you don't understand, we can break it down here is that a lot of times, whether you're, you know, getting up at four in the morning and working on your business, seemingly in isolation or in your own bubble or, or making sales calls and getting no over and over again and not seeing any results you're actually laying the groundwork for results and those are going to be exponential at certain points, right? And it's making it through that. It's, 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 it's hearing now or, or not really seeing the progress day after day, but still having the hustle to go out there, realizing that you are laying the foundation of something really good to happen. And, and part of that is, and I like to say this, you make your own luck. You put yourself in the position to get lucky. And a lot of times that's 
the, the only difference between success and failure. Yeah. And, and the fact that people give up oftentimes right before they're about to experience that success or, yep. or close to it and they just can't see it or can't move past that. And I look back on my career and Kevin, I'm, I'm really thankful that it started with door-to-door sales. Um, there's probably several ways that I could have gotten into sales, but the path that that worked out for me and, and seemingly at the time was the only path was to go try my hand at door-to-door sales. Uh, as a 32-year-old with a master's degree and a wife that was a stay-at-home mom and two small kids, it kind of seemed crazy. And I'm pretty sure that everyone in my life who even cared about me was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is nuts. You know, I would, I remember uh, coming home from work on the drive home. Uh, we were out in Portland at the time. So I drive from, you know, Tualatin uh, out to Vancouver is about a 40 minute drive. And I call some of my friends back at, at home and they're like, tell me about your day. And I'd start telling them some stories and they're just like, that is unbelievable. How, how, why are you doing that? Like, this is nuts, you know, like go get a job. And I just remember, uh, you know, that experience. And it took a long time. You know, the numbers that we had at the time was we were expected to see at least 50 businesses a day, uh, which is, you know, basically just in and out all day to businesses. That's a full day. met before. Um, and we were only in the field from like 10, we, we'd leave the office at 10 cause we had our morning, you know, training, we'd leave at 10 and we had to be back by four. So it was a six hour day with a lunch with driving. So it was really like four to five hours of good time in the field and you had to hit 50 businesses. So just, you know, do the math. It's, you know, 10 to 12 an hour. And you're trying to sell, right? You're trying to get them to actually to buy something on the spot. What, and, what were um, you selling? I was selling uh, office supplies, paper, toner, anything that an office would use from from Quill. I was one of the Quill guys. Okay, so 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 uh, fifty companies. Uh, let, let's say five hours. Yeah, about five, five to yeah five five hours of real five to six somewhere in so there. So how a lot close of your market was from the office. Yeah, I mean, I had markets that were an hour and a half away. So we would drive an hour and a half. We would get there at eleven thirty to twelve. We would pitch until three, and then we'd have to drive back. So we had three hours of time, and we had to hit you know same numbers. I mean, you're hustling. I mean, you're really. But that, is but that was when you're more seasoned. You know, you could you could maybe sell in fewer doors. You know, mm-hmm. but when I first started, it was fifty, and they were hopeful that you would get two sales a day. And if you did, then you were on the right track. If you were getting three sales a day, you were a freaking rock star and everybody was asking you how you were doing it. So think about that. 47 no's essentially a day and you were a rock star. I mean, it was it was yeah. something else. It was great experience. It reminds me of, it, uh, uh, oh, me sorry, life. sorry. It, it reminds me of, one of my favorite stats, right? That I grew up with and everything. The difference between a, a 250 hitter and 300 hitter during the season. Yeah, it's one like hit a week. What, what, yeah, I was going to say about twenty hits, which I guess maybe more yeah. like fifty hits, but yeah, one yeah. one more hit a week. That's right, from from average to all star and and maybe Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's the same same kind of philosophy, you know, two to three, yeah. forty seven versus yeah. forty eight nos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing. And and what I also learned was this: was that um, the better I was at working my territory, the more organized that I was, and the not, and the friendlier, nicer that I was the better I started to do, you know, and those reps just kind of kept helping, kept helping every door I walk into, I'd try something. If it didn't work, you go to the next door and you get a fresh start with somebody who didn't get to hear that. They didn't, they didn't mm-hmm. hear that mess up or whatever. And I started to appreciate that. And I'll tell you what else, Kevin, it was a revolving door of people. I mean, every, every day somebody knew and somebody might stay for a week. They might stay for a month. They might stay for like the afternoon and they were gone. And every time somebody left, I, I, I gained a little more confidence. Like I'm still here. Like I'm, I'm still doing this. Mm-hmm. And as I went, you know, that, you know, getting two sales a day, which it didn't, it, it wasn't that way at the beginning. It was zero or one, zero or one, you know, some days I might get two, but it was mainly zero or one. 
And then it started, it started turning to one to two, maybe three. And then towards the end of my time, it was like two or three every day. And I even had one day, freak day. This happens just oddly. I'd worked my territory for a long time. I'd stayed there. I'd met a ton of people and whatever. And for whatever reason on this particular day, Kevin, everybody was ready to order. So I did seven orders in one day and it was almost nice. unheard of. It was a record for the office since been broken by my buddy, Mike, who we're, we're both really competitive. But it was just one of those days where it's like all of that work that I had been doing materialized into a, just a day that basically made my month in one day for what I was mm-hmm. doing. So, you know, I think in, in sales, it's just it's a different game than anything else that's out there. You have to know that from the beginning. You have to be committed to it. I would tell anybody starting sales, first of all, if you can get a, a, door, a door-to-door job, do it because you'll learn so much in that time that you wouldn't learn otherwise. But other than that, I'd say commit a year to it. You know, just commit a year. Don't don't give up on it because it takes a long time to start to see traction. And once you start to see it and build momentum, then it can really be a, a great, a great uh, career. Yeah, it's very much an analogy to, to starting a, a business, right? Yeah, give it a year. You're not going to, uh, you're not going to build a book of business in a month, and you're not going to build a business in a month, right? You're starting out. You're laying the groundwork. You're learning. You're developing a pattern, developing an organization, and um, it just gets built over time. And, and I I think that's a lot of, a lot of the, the, the knocks on sales is like, well, you know, if you're an enterprise salesperson, that first year is going to be tough, you know, that second year is going to be kind of maybe a little bit less tough. Right. And then your sales come in year three, a year four. Um, if you're a freight brokerage, that first year is going to be tough. That second year might be pretty good. You know I mean? Right. Right. Depending, but it's, it's, you, you have to lay that groundwork. And, um, and it's well, let me, let me tell you this story if I can real quick. So, um, this is a five-year commitment for me, minimum beta consulting group, because it takes mm-hmm. a long time. And in fact, the, the advice that I got was business doesn't really get good if you build it the right way until you're three or four, you know, like yep. you've got to put you've got to really work it out and kind of deal with your lumps and, and take it. And so having that experience in door to door is really serving me well to say, this is, this is going to be a journey. It's going to be ups and downs and we'll see where it goes. But I, I'm, I'm in this for at least five years and then we'll see where, we'll see where we're at at that point. But I'm not even thinking about stopping this until we're at the five year mark, unless something just tragic goes wrong. That's, mm-hmm. that's my commitment. But when I look back at it, when I got into door to door sales, as I mentioned, I was a teacher before that. And we know what teachers make at the time. I think I was making like $45,000 a year, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe 44, somewhere in there. I made less my first year of door to door sales. than I did as a teacher, I mean, I took a step backwards, which is hard to, hard to say when you're, you know, 32 with the family, with mm-hmm. a master's degree to say, I'm going to step back but I did. I, I made, um, I think I made right around $28,000 in door-to-door sales in my first year. So it was a big financial hit for us to do that. But my wife was so supportive. She said, listen, you're learning an entirely new skill set here and they're actually paying you while you do it. Like we're not paying for this. You're getting paid, albeit it's less, but you're learning a brand new skill. And her encouragement was really helpful during that time. And I look at that and I say, okay, that year after teaching, I made 28,000 and then I went to DAT. And at that point, my income went up. uh, I was 50% above what I made as a teacher in my first year. And then it was double what I made as a teacher. And then it kept kind of rising, but -hmm. it was only because I was willing to take that step back and, and put in the time that first year to learn sales and learn those skills that it started to take off. 
And having that long game perspective is really critical. It is the, I want to say it's the most critical thing is, is having those long-term. I, I saw a video um, not too long ago, maybe in, um, uh, maybe a week ago, right? It's, it's, it, but someone was talking about money, you can tell wealthy people or in how they talk about money, uh, not over time, but money, uh, how much they're going to make in, you know, Again, I, I'm going to butcher this, I, I think, but <laughs> you know, broke people are worried about you know uh, getting twenty dollars today, right? They're their next twenty dollars, right? Uh, and, and the wealthier you are, the more expansive the time frame is. You know, I, I'm, you start talking about how much you're going to make over the next ten years, you're in a different bracket, right? Because you, you have this expanded vision. Of what it is, and it kind of goes back to the the, the five year plan, right? I mean, and no business is going to uh, uh, be sustainably a success or in in under five years, I think. You know, yeah. for the long haul, yeah. right? So, so you have to do five years, two or three years uh, of putting in the grind to to see the real results of sustainability. I think, um, and having the track record and the experience. But I think it's it's is so true uh, about that that long long vision, right? If you have the long vision, then all the little little problems become just little problems, right? And you you have a very short term version; they're big problems. Yeah, and you make different decisions because you're making a decision that's going to impact a year from now or two years from now, as opposed to this very moment or next week. Even like you're you're starting to think more long term. And crises don't feel as critical as uh, as they would otherwise because you're thinking this is just another bump in the road. This is just one more thing I've got to learn and overcome. It's another hard door I've got to walk through to learn this lesson that's going to help me, you know, a year, two, three years from now. And, and problems become fun. They, they become fun. Uh, opportunities become even more fun. So, so you know, I, I came over to Freight Waves in 2019. Uh, no experience on camera or podcasting or anything. You know, didn't even think about it and got thrown to the wolves a little bit. But the, the immediately I was just like, oh, this is going to be cool for the next 10 or 15 years, because if I can learn these skills, this is how I'm going to sell everything for the rest of my life. So <laughs> immediately I wasn't yeah. thinking about tomorrow. I, I was, right, I was right. I'm still not very good at it, but I was really crap four or five years or three, four years ago. Right. Um, and I'm just like, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to put a lot of effort into it because the, the opportunity, the potential for 10 years down the road. Oh, man, this is great. So everything, you know, I could uh, I could look like a jackass on 90 percent of what I was doing <laughs> live on TV. It didn't really matter to me because I had I was thinking 10 years from now. And now that's yep. five years from now. And and things are going you know, kind of according to plan. Well, the truth is, if you're going to be good at anything, if you're really going to get great at something, you have to be willing to be bad for a little while. You just have yes. to be okay with that, you know. And I think a lot of people are just un uh, unwilling to be bad at something for a while. Um, especially the older we get, I think there's this stigma of like, well, I, I don't want to be bad. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to mm-hmm. look stupid, which is unfortunate because you know to be really great, you have to be willing to be bad. And and even as adults, that means that we're going to try something new and it's going to look awkward maybe at, at the beginning, or you're not going to know certain things. But 
you know, you stick with it and you'll figure it out. I mean, that's, that's the only way that I was able to, to get good at golf was that I was okay with being bad for mm-hmm. a while and uh, changed my whole mindset. I, it, it didn't slow me down from practicing. It didn't discourage me when I was on the course and I hit a bad shot or I lost a ball or yeah. I missed a putt because it was all a part of the journey to becoming a better golfer. And I think that in li- anything in life, you have to be willing to have that attitude. I, I, I do. I, I think um, success comes I, I think to be successful, you have to to be very comfortable and, and kind of thrive and enjoy being outside your comfort zone at, at all times, really. Uh, to be average, you have to be really tied to your comfort zone and not willing to do anything. And to be below average, you don't even have a comfort zone. You, you got to wake up, have a pulse. <laughs> I, I know, right? So, uh, but I, I think the more times you live outside your comfort zone, and this was a great lesson from for you know from sales, but certainly from opening your own business, being an entrepreneur, is that you're always outside your comfort zone because everything is always new. And it gives you that perspective that is invaluable five, 10 for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, you have to kind of drink from a fire hose and, and, and figure out how to breathe in the midst of that, uh, you know, to, to grow and to learn. And, um, but it's been, it's been a great journey. Like I said, I, I feel like I've learned a lot. It's been a great first year. I'm excited for year two. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road. We're going to figure some things out. Um, but, uh, but I look back on it and I'm, I'm really thankful and appreciative that, one, I took the, the leap to get started, and two, that we've uh, made it for the first year. I'm thankful for that and all the things that I learned and excited for, for what's ahead. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for, for stopping by. Put that coffee down today, Trey. And, um, and certainly, if someone wants to reach out to you, they can find you on LinkedIn. They can find you on Twitter. What's your email address? So LinkedIn, um, Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok, my handle on most of those is Trey Griggs 24. So if they're looking for me on like TikTok or Twitter, look up Trey Griggs 24. My email is Trey, T-R-E-Y at betaconsultinggroup.com. They can also find us at betaconsultinggroup.com. But give us a little grace. We are rebuilding our website right now. So it's in construction and we're uh, basically, you know, drinking our own Kool-Aid as, as they say. So we're working on our SEO and getting everything lined up the way we want it so that we can project that and uh, show our clients about that. But betaconsultinggroup.com is where you can find us online. Perfect. Thank you so much, Trey. And for all of our listeners out there, this has been an episode of Put That Coffee Down. Hit subscribe or follow, however it is, and you can download this podcast and all the other episodes. I think we are close to our third year anniversary uh, doing Put That Coffee Down here, which seems weird to even say out loud. Uh, but we're very close to that. I think February would be three years. Uh, so we have a lot of episodes, about 150 or so episodes, all about sales, marketing, logistics, transportation. So hit like, hit subscribe, download to some content, and listen to it whenever and wherever you like.